CJSW presents Body Slam Poetry, an eight-part podcast series about Calgary and Alberta's wrestling legacy in the current independent scene. Ava Lawless is a rising star in the Calgary wrestling scene. She's a former RCW Women's Champion and has wrestled for countless other indies in Western Canada and in Seattle's Defy, which in my opinion is one of the top independent promotions in North America. She's doing great only three or so years into her career. The part of Ava Lawless you don't see between the bell ringing inside the square circle is the daily grind. Oh my god, that is such... Uh, a world that I wish people understood like just the general grind like I'm up like basically before six every morning to go to the gym and then I'm going to my real job and then I have to go home and do all my laundry from working out and wrestling and the road and everything right um and then I have to go to shows you gotta do ring crew you gotta do merch you gotta you know plan a match and and then you're repeating that like some like twice sometimes three times a week and then I'm right back in the office (laughs) the next day so um yeah, the, the, the grind never stops. Episode 5, Why Get Into Wrestling? So you've heard my story of how I got into pro wrestling on episode 1 of Body Slam Poetry. How about everyone else? Here's Ava Lawless again. I think uh, growing up, I grew up in the Attitude Era, and my brother was definitely the one who was watching wrestling the most. My whole family was, really, but uh, because I lived with him, I, I followed him around and I watched everything he watched. I listened to everything he listened to. So, um, you know, DX was pretty big. So he was telling people to suck it. So I was going around telling people to suck it. So I think, um, I think I got into it because of my brother. I started watching and the characters were interesting. The action was interesting. And, uh, and then I was the one that ended up loving it the most in the long run. <laughs> That's how it often is with siblings. Your cool older sibling influences what you get into. You get their record collection, the movies they're into. This is what I'm told anyway, as I'm an only child. Ben, it's not about you. Moving on. More often than not, you hear from people that pro wrestling hooked them at an early impressionable age. Another form of entertainment that you hear that about where getting into a thing in early age often leads into lifelong fandom, is the world of comic books and superheroes. Calgary wrestling historian Heath McCoy, author of the definitive book on Snappy Wrestling titled Pain and Passion, had this to say about his earliest memories. I was a uh, kind of, I was not a sporty kid at all, actually. I was a pretty nerdy little comic book kid. And uh, to me, these guys were, were... real life uh, superheroes and supervillains uh, they, they really did I used to draw my own little comic books and then after I got into Stampede Wrestling for a while there, I would draw my own wrestling programs with my own fictional wrestlers and stuff because these guys were like the Dynamite Kid was in his prime was like watching Spider-Man like I had never I'd, he was he was cut he was he was uh, but not overly huge at that point there he wasn't like you know juiced up or anything uh, but he had this amazing physique looking guy and he was uh i'd never seen anybody move in the ring with that intensity that agility that uh that you know that kind of high flying thing so and, and the hearts were like that and then the villains yeah that yeah the, the the evil villains jr foley and his in his army bad news allen and these guys yeah. yeah the correlation between superheroes and pro wrestling is very evident once you think about it 
And you wonder why wrestlers like Dave Bautista and John Cena would later be cast as actual Marvel and DC superheroes. If you were casting one of the boatload of superhero movies being made nowadays, why wouldn't you think of a pro wrestler first? They live that Clark Kent lifestyle on the reg. I talked to Zachary McKendrick, an academic who used to be a pro wrestler. He had a viewing party for WWE's Royal Rumble this past year. Royal Rumble being one of the big three pay-per-views, or premium live events to use the new terminology, WWE puts on every year, along with WrestleMania and SummerSlam. It was my birthday last week, uh, and for my birthday every year I do Royal Rumble, because Mm -hmm. it's like a couple of days apart, and I love it. Uh, And this year I invited um, a bunch of friends over. And I come from a theater department um, and a theater background. Um, And so I had a bunch of theater people (laughs) uh, come over and watch wrestling uh, and watch the Royal Rumble. And uh, one of them just kind of blurted out loud um, during, what was it? I think it was the the Bray Wyatt and um, LA Knight match. The Mountain Dew pitch black match. (laughs) Which I, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they uh, they turned during the middle of the match and they're like, oh, oh, it's just, it's it's Greek theater. Right. Like that's that's all it is. and then later during <laughs> during the Kevin Owens match, um, some uh, as soon as the the chair entered the ring, uh, someone turned and was like, "Oh, it's Chekhov's chair. <laughs> it has to be used. It's been introduced." And I was like, my heart felt so <laughs> full. Zachary's theater department friends are on the right track, as it truly is theater in an athletic context. Zachary continued, um, and it harkens back to like my my friend pointed out to. Um, the stories of old and to Greek theater and to stories of the gods. And I mean, this is, this is, uh, Roland Barthes, the, the philosopher talks about this, right? Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's giants among men and it's, it's, uh, morality tales. You know what I mean? Like the undertaker isn't just the undertaker. The undertaker symbolizes like death and mortality. Um, so all of a sudden, Shawn Michaels going career versus career becomes about a guy battling his own mortality uh, and having to face that and unable to accept it. And like, how do you like for real? And it's in such a binary, right? Like, who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? Well, the typically your good guy. It's it's old Western, right? Your good guy is wearing the white hat and your your bad guy is wearing the black hat. You look at the trunks. Who's wearing the lighter colors? Great, that's your good guy. As Zachary brought up, the French theorist Roland Barthes wrote an essay in 1972 titled The World of Wrestling, in which he called pro wrestling, quote, the pure gesture which separates good from evil, end quote. I read about it in a media theory class a few years back when while I'm too much of a Joe Lunchpail to grasp some of the language Bart's use. It's nice to know an egghead like Bart's, which I use as a term of endearment, by the way, saw the appeal of pro wrestling, and I'm sure if Bart's lived to see the Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker match from WrestleMania 25 in 2009, that Zachary reference, where those ideas of good versus evil truly were brought to life in a football stadium of over 70,000 people, he would have shed a tear. It is wrestling is the most incredible art form because because it has the most direct connection to your audience. 
um, in a way that like live music does. Um, but it's like doing an action movie or a kung fu movie in front of a live audience. When Edge came back the first oh. time, yeah. I cried like a baby. I was at the Palomino and I was watching like first time watching Rumble in forever. And he came back and I, I shot up out of my seat. I scared the crap out of my friends that were there with me. And I cried because this is a guy who like his, his career was over. And, and, and Edge isn't a guy that like, I'm just a wrestler. That's all I am. He had other things. Right? Acting. Acting, writing, tons of, uh, like he was a, a, a judge for um, Canada Reads at one point. Right? Like he's he's got stuff he's got stuff that's out there but but you take wrestling away from him and you could see how much it it hurt him toronto-based wrestler edge not to be confused with the edge the beanie wearing guitar player from u2 announced his retirement from pro wrestling on april 11 2011 in a very emotional promo in the interim as zachary said he acted in shows like filmed in nova scosa's sci-fi series haven and many other side projects that he kept himself busy with but weren't his true burning passion. As Zachary referenced, Edge made his return to the ring on January 26, 2020 at the WWE Royal Rumble. And the explosion of positivity that radiated in the stadium and at home, at places like our beloved Palomino Smokehouse, it shows how much we deeply care about these pro wrestlers and how much pro wrestling means to them. I talked to Otto Gentile and Ed Anderson of Can-Am Wrestling, which they founded in 1996 in Calgary. What does Can-Am stand for, and what was its origin story? Here's Otto. So what we created was an acronym for Can-Am Wrestling, and uh, it's constantly against narcotic and alcohol misuse. And what we used that acronym with was getting into First Nation communities back in 96 that had a lot of problems with alcohol, drugs, uh, coping with bullying. Uh, uh, the, the real bad one back then was huffing gas, if you remember that. Uh, so we went to all these communities trying to get in there to do a drug and alcohol workshop and then what we did is presented the show as kind of like a reward for sitting and listening to us. Can-Am works with plenty of local charities and helps support the community. Most recently, they were helping a young boy named Colin Brown. Ah, uh, the last one we just did out of Okotoks, there was a four-year-old boy named Colin Brown that suffers from uh, many different uh situations in his life that makes it very difficult for this young man so we were approached by the uh, Okotoks Elks Hall that were doing a dinner for him to try and raise money and they asked us if there's anything we could do so we said hell yeah we could do that and uh, we are still presently trying to raise money for him but I'm happy to announce that we raised a thousand dollars for him on October the 3rd and that is going towards his service dog, which is through Aspen Service Dogs, I believe it is. Aspen uh, they're trying to get the dog from the, the, this group of people that are absolutely amazing. Uh, and uh, that's the, the one that is actually tugged at the heartstrings because the kid is so awesome and he's so innocent like to be 
given all these obstacles and situations that he has to deal with, I think anybody would help this young man to try and achieve the goal that he needs. I share this story that Otto told me in this episode, as I think it's worth shining a light on the good that wrestling promotions like Can-Am do for the community. Colin Brown is a young wrestling fan, and the fact that the promotion Can-Am would have fundraisers to help him out could not be more lovely. Otto also launched the Alberta Wrestling Academy, which was a dream project, but had difficulties which he'll discuss here. The Alberta Wrestling Academy was a 20-year dream in the making. My first partners were Steve Wilde, Steve Hurley, and myself. We wanted to create a place where we could create our own superstars. And it didn't come to fruition with that. When uh, We went from 96 to 2003 where we shut the doors down. And then we opened the school in 2020, October 3rd in the middle of the damn pandemic. Now, to say that it was difficult would be an exaggeration. It was more than just difficult to stay alive, open, come up with ideas to keep all these guys invested that were getting down because the school would open, close, open, close, open, close, right? So, as soon as we opened our doors, we had a grand opening, We had over 300 people there, all safely distanced if there's anybody out there that wants to know. (laughs) Anyway, we had had 300 people there. We put on a little bit of a show. We gave away two scholarships to kids that we thought deserved it. And what we stated in our mission statement, it was that we were going to work with kids, youth, that have problems, whether it be disabilities, whether it be drugs and alcohol, whatever it may be, we were going to help them, even if they had disabilities or the alcohol and drug problem, get them focused in a direction where they could actually have a second chance at life through professional wrestling. And that's what uh, our school is still about. We do work with a lot of kids that do have problems but also comes a lot of problems because sometimes you know you get somebody that just you can't help and and that's the frustrating part we want to help everybody but it just doesn't work out that way sometimes and uh, we try to do the best we can in our next episode of bias land poetry titled living the gimmick Otto will share stories of some of the favorite gimmicks that came through the Alberta Wrestling Academy, so stay tuned for that. One of the most encouraging changes in the modern wrestling landscape has been the rise of women's wrestling. Pro wrestling has historically been a male-dominated field, and women have had to really fight to get higher spots on the card, even getting their matches cut from the show as they are in their gear, like what happened to Brie Bella and Naomi at WrestleMania 29. It's a true insult. Thankfully, those days look to be behind us, as women are often main-eventing major promotions now, and some of the best and most talked-about matches of the modern era have been women's matches, most famously Sasha Banks vs. Bayley at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn in 2015. This is what Calgary's own Ava Lawless had to say about the rise of women's wrestling since she has started. 
Yeah, I'm really thankful for it because definitely when I wanted to get into wrestling, it seemed like the schools were primarily attended by males and, you know, the, the women didn't have as dominant of a spot. Um, and sometimes you will run into circumstances that give you a harsh reminder that I am a woman in wrestling. Um, but then at the same time, I've main evented um, shows with other women. Um, and I think I have like one of the most like powerful connections with the audience, at least here in Calgary. And I'm just like, I, I don't take that for granted. As someone who has seen Ava Lawless multiple times live at this point, I can attest that few wrestlers on the current Calgary indie scene have a stronger connection to the crowd than Ava does. At the last RFCW show I saw, there was a little girl in the front row there, specifically for Ava, which really warmed my heart to see and proves that there's nothing like the connection a pro wrestler has with their fans. For the non-wrestling fan in your life, or maybe you, the listener, or that person, what's the best way to sell someone to go to a show? Here's Calgary's own Raj Singh. But what I do when I when I get people to come, yo, you guys want to be entertained? Yeah. Do you guys want to have a good night out? You want to have a good date night? You want to have a good family time with the kids? It's definitely a show you'll enjoy. Yeah. And I, I tell them to, to take it with a grain of salt because there's characters. You may not like the guy that's, you know, vicious and violent, or you may not like the guy that's all flamboyant and dancey and prancy, but there's yeah. going to be people that do like each. And then there's gimmicks and characters. And it's literally live theater. Mm-hmm. with us taking our own stunts. Yeah. But then we do the crowd interaction. Yeah. Like if people ever come to watch me at a show, I'm all over the crowd. Like it's like a stand-up comedy <laughs> skit for mine involved in that show when you have like a Cirque du Soleil aspect to it, then you yeah. have like two other guys doing some gymnastic stuff and you have some other guys doing some street fighting. So yeah. it's all cool. The variety show aspect of pro wrestling really is key. As if every match was at, at the same intense grudge match style, it would lose its impact just as if every match was a comedy match. You need both sides of a well-rounded, fun wrestling show. When you attend a wrestling show though, here's a tip from Raj to you. And one of the things too, for anybody that's listening, if you guys are at a show and you know, you're know you're watching wrestling, cheer, boo, no, yeah. do whatever you want. But I notice what happens in, in Calgary especially, it's like the wrestling fans don't really want to cheer until the next person beside them does it. So nobody wants to be that first. Too person. polite or something. I think it's just I don't know, maybe the maybe the fans are embarrassed, but yo, you can't be more embarrassed than the guy that's in the <laughs> ring in literally leggings or like swimming pants, <laughs> half naked, <laughs> fake fighting, like simulated fighting. Million like, percent. <laughs> so the fans, you know, when the and when the fans get rocking and the fans are really loud or they're booing or and oh, yeah. the wrestlers do that much better. I can't say any better than Raj did. There's nothing better than being in a packed crowd reacting to a match, but if you want the wrestlers to perform at a higher level, they need you. It's the give and take relationship that makes pro wrestling so unique. I talked with Carlin Blackrabbit, a member of the hardcore band's No More Moments and Iron Tusk, based out of Six Sicka Nation. We'll get more into his story in episode seven, talking about the punk and wrestling connection, but one story from his growing up as a wrestling fan really jumped out to me. I find how I make connections with people, and I've made the best best of friends through wrestling, just because like, you're out in public wearing a wrestling shirt. Oh yeah. You'll get it too sweet from someone. Or <laughs> just re- you, you, you can break the ice really easily with a stranger just by talking wrestling. Like, and that's how I've made a lot of friends. So like wearing, wearing wrestling, a wrestling shirt on stage, someone will come out. 
someone will come talk to me like, hey, you, yeah. know, you like wrestling? I like wrestling. Find the real heads. And then like they start quizzing you or you start going going back on something. Yeah. It's just, that's like the most, that's like the best thing ever. And like, I don't know, like for like me. Like a secret club. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what's really weird too? It's like I find there's a lot of people that are like, I don't want to say, well, I, I'll say it. They're like kind of embarrassed to watch wrestling because I don't know about you, but as a kid, I got made fun of for watching wrestling. Yeah. And the whole, it's fake story, like all that stuff. And I'm like, I'm over that. I don't want to hear that anymore. Like, you can like hockey, you can like basketball. Let me like wrestling. Like, that's just, let me like what I like, you know? So I'm at that age now where I'm like, I don't care what people say about wrestling. I'm, I agree. I and, agree. And, and there's people out there who got bullied because of it. And I know. I, I got bullied as a kid for like wrestling. No. And I, I mean, I still buy belts and I, you know, I still yeah. buy all the, all the memorabilia. Of course. But like, that's how I met a lot of people, like a lot of friends. And like, there's a lot of musicians that are big wrestling fans, you know? Carlin spoke a lot of truth there, but I have to say the tide seems to be turning. To use the early comparison to superhero movies and comic books, comic books might have been seen as a niche thing, but now superhero movies are in the most popular form of entertainment being made with even lower-tier, lesser-known heroes like Booster Gold from DC being announced for full-fledged feature films. In pro wrestling, you have LeBron James wearing NWO shirts. You have 21 Savage, Offset, and Metro Boomin coming up with a song titled Ric Flair Drip, where they get the real Ric Flair to appear in the video. And the biggest example in recent years to me is how Bad Bunny, Spotify's number one artist worldwide for two years in a row, put in the hours of time and effort to become a full-fledged WWE wrestler, where he won the WWE 24-7 Championship, which he proudly displayed when he appeared as a musical guest on Saturday Night Live all of five days after he won. And in the culmination of Bad Bunny's WWE journey, he wrestled in a universally praised match at WrestleMania 37 in 2021. Bad Bunny doesn't need this. Offset from the Migos doesn't need to make a song about how cool Ric Flair is, but it's what they are fans of. And as a lifelong wrestling fan, I'm happy to see the tide turning. And I hope we never bully people for wearing wrestling shirts again. As if you want to bully someone for doing that, you might as well bully LeBron James. And do you want to bully LeBron? Exactly. This is Jed, your wrestling term tour guide. I'm here to explain some wrestling terms that you are hearing throughout the series to tell you what they mean. Let's begin by explaining the difference between face and heel. Face, a wrestler who is perceived as heroic and is cheered on by fans. Faces will commonly perform against heels, can also be called babyface. Face in peril. In a tag team match, it is used to describe the member of the face team who is being dominated by the heel team for the majority of the match. This can be used to get the crowd to cheer for the face team, often followed up with a hot tag. Now a hot tag is when a face's partner is tagged into a tag team match, usually followed by the freshly tagged team member getting in a quick burst of offense. The hot tag is often teased by the other face being enticed into the ring. Heel, the opposite of face. A wrestler who is perceived as villainous and is booed by fans. Heels will commonly perform against faces. Tweener, neither a face nor a heel, 
but a morally ambiguous wrestler may be used to describe a face who is booed or a heel who is cheered. Now you may be wondering to yourself, how is the world of wrestling set up? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let us start with kayfabe. It is the presentation of professional wrestling as entirely legitimate or unscripted. This idea was maintained until the mid-1980s. Next, we move on to work. It is used to refer to any of the planned actions that take place during a match. When used as a verb, work can refer to a planned attack of a single body part throughout the entire duration of a match, or to deceive the audience to elicit a desired response. No sell. When a wrestler shows no reaction to their opponent's moves, generally this is worked as a part of kayfabe, but some wrestlers have been known to do this off script, also known as shoot, no sell. Angle. The fictional storyline used to create tension between two wrestlers. The angle may be in effect for a single match or may be carried on for years. It is also possible for an angle to be revised if the storyline is not going over well with fans or if one of the wrestlers involved is fired. Shoot. This is when a wrestler intentionally goes off script. This can include making unplanned comments or attacks. May be referred to as breaking kayfabe. Our next word is worked shoot. This is when a wrestler seemingly goes off script, often revealing something that is not part of the angle, but is actually doing so as a planned part of the show. Now let's move into the rustling terms for blood. Your first word is blading. It is intentionally cutting oneself to induce bleeding. This is often done well into the match so the blood mixes with the sweat, making it look like the rustler is bleeding more than they actually are. It can also be called juicing, giggling, or getting color. Now if bleeding is unplanned, it is also called juicing the hard way. If the object is used to provoke the bleeding, it is called a blade. And the act of blading is called a blade job. Your next word is bust open. This term is used when a rustler starts to bleed. This can either be intentional or unintentional. Next after that is hard way. When a rustler draws blood by any means other than blading. Usually this is from a legitimate strike or potato. And if you're wondering what potato means, it means a move, generally a strike, that actually hurts the recipient. Now what are some of the terms for crowd interactions? Let me tell ya. Your first word is pop. It is a term used to describe positive crowd reactions such as cheering. Your next word is heat. A term used for negative crowd reactions such as booing or real life tension between rustlers. After that is cheap heat. This is when a rustler purposely garners a negative reaction from the crowd usually by insulting them. This can be done by bringing up something that is unrelated to rustling but can insult the crowd en masse. For example, mocking the town's local sports team. And next is cheap pop. It is the opposite of cheap heat. It is inciting a positive reaction from the crowd by sucking up to them. This can be achieved by saying something 
complimentary about the given city or town. And finally, a promo. This is an interview or a monologue given by a wrestler in character. Often seen as an in-ring or backstage interview or skit used to advance a storyline or feud. Now, it is meant to promote an upcoming show or future segment of a show. Performing a promo is referred to as cutting or cutting a promo. When the promo is targeted at a specific opponent, it is said to be a cut on the target. That is all for this edition. Stay tuned for the next episode when I explore some more rustling terms. This has been Jed from Body Slam Poetry. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Body Slam Poetry. This episode was written and produced by Ben Goodman. Assistant producer Sophie Chardon. Edited by Jed Mabaza. And music by Grayscreen. Stay tuned for episode 6, Living the Gimmick. This initiative is made possible by the Community Radio Fund of Canada.